The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. He thought it was the perfect plan, that there were no workarounds, no loopholes. God had lost. Satan knew God's heart, knew that God's greatest desire was to live with human beings forever. But as Adam and Eve walked out of that garden never to return, it seemed that there was no going back. It seemed that God would never get his wish because Adam and Eve walked out with a heart that now hated God and souls that couldn't stand in his presence, barriers that seemed uncrossable. However, at the very moment when it seemed all hope was lost, God had a plan. And when Jesus arrived, it was clear that even though thousands of years had passed between the fall into sin and Jesus' arrival, that God's desire hadn't changed. God still wanted to dwell with his people forever, and Jesus was here to fix the problems. He was here to give sinners the way to God, and he was here to give sinners a place with God. But even though it is impossible for sinners to draw close to God on their own, it hasn't stopped us over the years trying to get there ourselves. If you ask the majority of people, do you think you're going to heaven when you die? you might get an answer along the lines of, well, I hope so. I think so. I'm a good person, at least, so that must count for something, right? That good enough baseline is the usual answer you get to that question. Um, And many people are content just living their lives thinking, okay, I'll just be good, and hopefully I'll be good enough to get to the good place. But there are a lot of people that go a little bit further than that. They, instead of just hoping that they're good enough, try to do some things to make sure they're good enough. They'll either pray multiple times a day, or they'll follow a specific diet. They'll keep their karma in line. They'll, they'll, they'll fast. They'll try to clear their mind of all negative emotions. They'll try to reach nirvana. The list can go on and on. When it comes down to it, there are many people spending numerous hours and a lot of anxiety on the question, am I good enough to get to heaven? And this question doesn't escape Christians either. There are many Christians in this world that if you were to ask them, are you confident that you're going to heaven when you die? They might say, I I hope so. There are even some Christians out there that say it is sinful if you are confident in your salvation. Just because these things may not describe you, that you would say, I'm not confident in my salvation, doesn't mean that we're not still susceptible to that good enough baseline. Here's an example for you. What would you say if I asked you today, how is your relationship with God today? What would be your answer? Some answers might be, well, I'm in church, so that's a good thing, right? Or... Maybe it's, well, I've been doing a really good job of praying or in beating my Bible and loving my neighbor. Or maybe the answer is, well, I haven't been doing that great of a job praying or reading my Bible or loving my neighbor. There's a problem with each one of those responses. And it has nothing to do with church attendance 
or how frequently or infrequently you read the Bible or pray. The problem with those responses is how it begins. Well, I. Well, I did this, or well, I didn't do that. Do you see how easy it is to go back to that good enough baseline that somehow our relationship with God is dependent on something that we do? The issue is that human relationships are just like that, aren't they? You have to put the work in in order to have a strong relationship. And if you say something wrong, you might create a fissure in that relationship. And if you say the right thing, well, then you'll get the reward for that right thing. They might be nice to you in return or give you something. That's just kind of how we operate. The truth of the matter is that when God talks about us by nature, he says that we were dead in sin. We were like corpses. What can a corpse do? Nothing but lay there and rot. The only way for a corpse to actually do something is for someone to give it life again. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to give dead bodies life. You see, there's only two religions in the world. The religion that says, do this, but it's never done. And the religion that says, it is done, and there's nothing left to do. We have a Jesus who came down to do everything for us. Where we couldn't get to God on our own, God came down to us. Where we couldn't live the perfect life, Jesus did it in our place. Where God said that the wages of sin is death and that the sinner who commits the sin must die, Jesus became sin, even though he never sinned, so that we might be given life. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he gave life to our dead bodies. There was only ever one solution to the problem of sin, and that is Jesus. The good enough baseline was never good enough. We needed a savior because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And if that sounds rather exclusive to you, you'd be right. But it's not exclusive in the sense that we're gatekeeping, saying that certain people have to stay out and that we want certain people in. No, the, the message of Jesus and salvation through him is exclusively through him. There is no other way because we have a specific problem and a specific problem needs a specific solution. And that's where we come in. We have the message of that specific solution a solution meant for all people because just because the message of salvation is exclusively through Jesus, it is inclusively for everyone. Jesus is the Savior for the whole world. Remember what Jesus said when he was talking about his Father's house? In my Father's house are many rooms. Many rooms. Why does Jesus say the word many? because he wants his listeners to know that these many rooms are to be filled by many people. And we have that message, this message that we can share to the world, the message that actually makes the difference. Because while it might feel disrespectful to say that there is only one way to God, only one way to heaven, it is the only message that's going to do them any good. Because while we might spare someone's feelings by going along with all roads lead to God, uh, if you pray and you are at least a little bit religious, well, then you're fine. If we go along with that, we might spare their feelings, but 
They will not be spared from hell because they did not trust in the one who gave them life. But we have a message that is inclusive for everybody, a message about a God who loved the world so much that he was willing to send his son to suffer wrath in a sinner's place. Jesus gave them the way to God, no strings attached. We know the way, so let's share the way. But as we walk this way to heaven, the way that was paved by Jesus, it's hard to get around the feeling that we just won't belong when we get there. The truth of the matter is, is that we still find ourselves sinning today, even though we have faith. You ever thought to yourself, if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't be feeling like this. Or if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't do that. Has it ever felt like you've outsinned salvation? If you ever have, don't worry, you're in good company. Before our gospel reading this morning, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them that they are all going to run away and that, Jesus, and that Peter is going to deny Jesus three times. And it's true. In a similar way, we are like Peter when we sin. We choose our own path and deny what Jesus says. And when we sin and we hurt somebody as a Christian, it's true, we do, we do give Jesus a bad name. But if you've ever thought that you've outsinned your salvation, listen again to what Jesus says immediately after he says Peter is going to deny him three times. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust me. I am going to prepare a place for you. There is no outsinning salvation because it is for sinners that Jesus is preparing a place because it is with sinners that he wants to dwell forever. And it's not as if you're just squeaking into heaven, that you're an afterthought and that you're going to be laying on the ground instead of actually having your own room. No, Jesus says he is going to prepare a place specifically for you. And what, what kind of guests do you make preparations for? You might not go through all the preparations to prepare for the electrician or the plumber, but you might dust, you might sweep, you might clean the bathrooms, you might change the sheets for someone that you're looking forward to seeing, something that you really care about. In a similar way, as Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, never to return to that perfect place God made for, for them, he has been looking forward to the day when all of his children will be back with him forever. In this way, God is like a parent who has children that live far away that just can't wait for them to come back home. Because when they're back home, he knows that they're safe. He knows that they're in their beds. He knows that there's no danger or temptation outside that can ever hurt them again because they are where they're supposed to be. So when sin weighs you down, or whether it's what you've done or what you've not done, and shame washes over you, because you did that thing you swore you'd never do again. Remember that even in those moments, Jesus is preparing a place for you. And if you want proof, look at Jesus' ascension. He tells his disciples, I have to go for now. But if I go, I will come back, and I will take you to be with me, so that where I am, you may also be. But Jesus isn't back yet. 
which means there are still preparations to be made, that there are still rooms to be filled, but Jesus will be back and take us to be with him forever. And until that day, we have the blessing of living as those who have rooms in heaven. Because the fact that we have rooms in heaven changes everything. We can live confidently now. We can live joyfully now. We can live in peace because we have something to look forward to. To live as Christ, to die as gain. The life we have here, we will live and love and serve, but our real joy and our real life begins when we are with our Father forever. And that is something to look forward to. It seemed like the perfect plan. It seemed that there were like no workarounds, no loopholes. It seemed that God had lost and would never get his desire of living with human beings forever. But the one thing that Satan didn't take into account was even the fall into sin wasn't able to change God's love for us. God's plan succeeded. Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose. And he can't wait to be with you forever. But until that day, all that's left to do is wait. Because Jesus is coming back and we trust him because he is the way to heaven. He gives us a place with heaven, in heaven. He is true and he promises us that he is coming to give us life. Amen.